Hello, welcome back to our Canon podcast. Uh, today we or tonight we'll be discussing Homegoing by Ya Giesi. Uh, it was published in 2016, so as you can tell, this week we're going to be focusing on a more contemporary book um, versus last set of episodes we were discussing The Bluest Eye, which is already a classic, already in the black canon, and so now we are reviewing a book to see um, what we think about it and if we want to submit it into the new canon. So, given that colonialism, colonization, I don't even know what the correct term is in this setting, white supremacy and racism are just a monster. Mm. Um, One of the things that it attacks is family. Mm -hmm. And this book basically is a family. Yeah. And we get pieces of the two family lines, which are Afia and Essie. Um, Just a little side note. Um, their names correspond to a day of the week. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where my name comes from. I My name means born on Monday. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I want to talk about family and the importance of family and um, yeah, any major themes or trends that you notice, particularly as one family line stays in Ghana and mm-hmm. one gets to the U.S. because once again, white supremacy and colonization and racism are trash. So, mm-hmm. comments, questions, thoughts. I will just add a brief bit of context that Effia marries a white man who is like the the slave trader, like he's he's the James, he's like the biggest mm-hmm. He you yeah, it, he's whatever. And she moves into the castle not knowing that her sister Essie is being held in the dungeon and is, you know, sold into slavery. So that is, yeah. So that is, you know, the sister story. Um, Yeah. So I just wanted to, to add that. Cause that is, that's really where the book starts. We start with Mm -hmm. Effie and Essie and I actually wanted more of Effie's story. I could have read a whole book about her life. Um, But yeah, family. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, for me, family seems tied up in not only connection and, and feeling a sense of, of being a part of something that is bigger than you, but it also feels uh, connected to memory and mm. um, <clears throat> so much of this book is about fragmented memory. Like you just don't, you know, have pieces of your family history. And I think the way that stories function in this and are passed down through family um and how memory really does seem to be so much a part of how people understand themselves in this text as part of a family is like memory of family or lack of memory about you know like you don't you just don't have memories of a family Mm -hmm. um yeah that seems to be a thread that runs throughout the book is uh how characters remember and, and, and disremember or, or misremember. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think uh, a lot of the, the sort of like, the, there are revelations throughout the book um, and really interesting ones in particular, um, particularly I think Effie and Essie's story, where we 
uh, particularly Effie, because we we know that her uh, how do you say it? is it Baba? Um, Baba. Baba. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm sure she's been through a lot, but also she was terrible to Effie. Uh-huh. She was so mean mm-hmm. to her, and as it turns out, that wasn't actually her mother. Um, <clears throat> and and that's the whole thing. Motherhood is a, a really big theme, I think, throughout the book and how these women relate to their mothers and understand themselves as mothers is really interesting. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, those three, the, I think motherhood and then memory stood out to me as places where I found purchase in the book. Um, yeah. I think one quote that particularly stands out uh, and it connects family and memory is in H's chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. And it says H could hardly remember being free Mm -hmm. and he could not tell if what he missed was the freedom itself or the capacity for memory. Mm -hmm. He would try to remember remembering. Hmm. And I, it just, H really H's story is really hard for me because he's so disconnected from mm-hmm. people before him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I think my memory is getting worse as the pandemic goes on, but mm-hmm. I have a great memory and I love remembering things. Also wish I had selective memory, <laughs> but sure. I, you know, my, some people make fun of me because I could tell you what they were wearing when I first met them or mm-hmm. what day it was or any, you know, the weather conditions. But memory is so important to me because words are connected to that. And I remember everything that people say. And I'm sure there are things that I wonder if in this case, because H is. Mm, so his mom was Anna and his dad was Kojo. Um, mm-hmm. That because he didn't know them, that maybe in some ways he was protected from trauma. But that's what I thought as I was reading. But then mm-hmm. as the story went on, the lack of knowing also is traumatizing to him mm-hmm. because how does he explain who he is? How does he share who he is? And not that your identity is only based on where you've been and what you've been, but it does inform how you treat others um, and how you relate to others. Um, So I just feel some conflict, particularly around H. Um, and I'll I'll say more about family later because I'm still gathering my thoughts, but I just wanted to pop that in real quick. Yeah. Um, this is a if if you're if listening to this podcast inspires you to read the book, fast forward 15 seconds because here comes a spoiler. <laughs> um, <laughs> H and Anna being taken from uh, Kojo's life in Baltimore was that was the chapter where I was like I. I need a break. I just, this guy found peace, found family, found love, had kids, you know, they were, they were just doing it. They were making it work. And this, you know, circumstance beyond their control, entirely the fault of racism and white supremacy 
um, had uh, Kojo's wife, Anna, and H taken um, in a in a way that never got resolved. <laughs> like he never was able to find out who his people were or probably even, I mean, maybe like where he was from generally, but like that probably only went back to Baltimore. Um, and yeah, so I'm thinking about the trauma. So like Audrey say like, oh, maybe it's kind of protective to not know, but you know, I think there are studies that show how, in a sense, trauma can be passed down, right? But let's not even necessarily say trauma, right? Like, just things are passed down. There are things that someone does that's a, a personality trait that's so much like their maternal grandmother, right? Or a skill that they have that their paternal grandmother had or whatever. Um, and it there's a comfort in being able to map those things out to say... So I have a, I got a second cousin... So he's like the great grandchild where I'm the grandchild of my grandmother. Um, he, there's a picture he just posted recently where he looks exactly like my uncle, who is his great uncle. Um, and it, so it's a weird thing of genetics that like my mom is one of seven and a different kid's grandchild looks like her brother. Right. Just genetics. It happens. But we because we know each other. Right. Like because that's a connected family. We could we could talk about that. We can speak like we know who he looks like. He looks like my uncle Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so mm-hmm. to think of the trauma of not being able to map certain parts of yourself to someone um, to say, oh yeah, like my grandma always did this, and she taught my mother this, or you know, my grandfather always uh, you know had this quality about him, and people say I'm just like him, like. There's something that can be taken for granted in statements like that, um, where, yeah, yeah, the sort of Kojo H story cuts that. uh, And he'll never know if any of his traits, positive or negative, are like, you know, nature or nurture. Is this just because of where Mm -hmm. you're growing up or is this because someone, you know, in your bloodline, you know, had that same kind of thing and it's just like a family trait? Um, yeah, it, just, it sticks out to me how that story, like H will never be able to map anything. It, you know, H might, you know, when H has kids, like he can never look at his kid and say, oh yeah, your mom used to do that. Yeah. And that feels like a huge loss. Yeah. Yeah. Or my mom used to do that. Sorry. Um. I was going to say about things that are passed down and um, not even knowing where they come from. I was thinking of the moment in Kojo's chapter where his daughter Beulah is sleeping. um, And I'll just read it because I think it's... When I, I read this part and I was like, oh, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. But um, it says on page 120, in the other room, Beulah started whimpering in her sleep. The child had night terrors. They came at unpredictable intervals, one month here, two days there. Some days they were so bad she would wake herself up to the sound of her own screams. Or she'd have scratches along her arms from where she'd fought invisible battles. Mm. Other days she slept till... She slept still as death, 
tears streaming down her face and the next day when asked what she dreamed about she always shrugged and said nothing this day joe looked out and saw the girl's little legs start to move a bend at the knee an outward kick repeat Mm -hmm. beulah was running maybe this is this was where it started joe thought maybe beulah was seeing something more clearly on the nights she had these dreams a little black child fighting in her sleep against an opponent she couldn't name come morning because in the light that opponent just looked like the world around her mm-hmm. intangible evil unspeakable fairness unfairness beulah ran in her sleep like ran like she'd stolen something when really she had done nothing other than expect the peace the clarity that came with dreaming yes joe thought this was where it started but when where did it end mm-hmm. like our bodies be knowing mm. <laughs> that's that's that i had that um, quote marked as well um <laughs> in my like kind of most meaningful powerful kind of quotes it's yeah it's hard beautiful uh insightful mm-hmm. yeah i'm struck by yeah one of the things that gets passed down is fear and anger and we see that a lot in the the you know like these characters are afraid of things that they can't name yet and i think that quote is a great example i mean obviously she's you know this is the beginning of the <clears throat> the 1900s so you know racism is, is very real and i'm sure she experiences it in spurts um but she also in some senses like is near her family she I imagine goes to school with kids who look like her, et cetera, et cetera. But she still can, she's inherited, you know, the, the pain of running from something, mm-hmm. which her dad did. <laughs> and I don't think she right. knows that. I don't think she knew that her dad, you know, grew up briefly Died. in slavery. No. Yeah. Cause remember yeah. he, like they, they have to, he, his mom, his, his mom died in slavery or like got caught, but he left. Yes. No, yeah, what I'm saying is she has no idea how her dad died because yeah, she might know how her mom died, but right, she died when her mom died when she was so young. I doubt that she told her like, oh, and this is how your daddy died. So she, yeah, she doesn't know the story of that that escape from the plantation. Exactly. Yeah, like has no idea, but she still feels fear, you know. Um, And I I think about that in in Sunny's story as well. who he, he like comes out angry and like his Willie, his mom talks about that. Like you've been angry, you know, since you were a kid. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Another great quote. Um, yeah. And she's like, he just is always angry. And, um, and part of it is right. He, I think even before his dad sort of disappears and starts a new family, he's angry. And he's like, I think, yeah, he has inherited his, his parents' anxiety and, and anger. And, um, mm-hmm you know, the trauma of being black, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. so pervasive. And um uh I think we I think we briefly talked about this during the Blue Eye. I remember saying that some of the characters fear and anger didn't seem necessarily connected to any one thing in their life. It just Yeah, I remember you saying there. that there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a some of what it means to be black is <laughs> to inherit that. And right. to not always have language for it, but to have overwhelming feelings about it. Right. Which um, is kind of like, sorry, that makes no, me think ahead. about 
in uh intuition as an inheritance mm. like what mm. it for black people there's a way that some of the feelings and senses we get so i'm a, i'm a in on the on the uh, myers-briggs mm-hmm. uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I have a friend who doesn't believe in um intuition in the way that i do but mm-hmm. basically yeah like what if for people who feel that or believe in that like that's that's not just something that's like from you right mm-hmm. like that's actually mm-hmm. something that's been channeled and passed down and inherited in you as a protective, like, you know, maybe certainly based in a negative, but like as presenting itself in your life as something to protect you and, and uh, warn you, alert you uh, mm-hmm. to various situations of danger. I feel like that probably holds up psychologically. Mm. And yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, some of the, some of that comes out of a lack of communication. Andre, you, you said you were frustrated about this. So I would love to hear your thoughts, but there mm-hmm. so much of some of this trauma is very external to these characters. They they literally have no control over it. That's, you know, part of the, the horror of this story. And some mm. of it is that parents are not, they have not dealt with their own trauma because where were they getting the tools, but they yeah. are passing that to their children because they do not know how to communicate Come on. their own alienation, their own sense of sadness mm-hmm. and trauma. And so a lot of the kids are inheriting these things because parents just are not talking to them about things. Um, Sunny is a great example because I'm going to assume that if you are listening to this podcast, you have read this book. If like (laughs) I don't know how to help you, and I don't really feel entitled, like I don't feel inclined to not get spoilers. Um, so I will pause for like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. So Sunny's mom, (laughs) Sunny's mom is is really. Um, what was their dad? What was what was his dad's name? I want to say it was James. It was Robert. Yeah. <laughs> we hate, we hate James. We hate James. <laughs> it must have been that raggedy motherfucker named James. <laughs> it's in the blood. It's in the blood. <laughs> James. Um. His his dad's name is Robert, right? And and I like okay, yeah. but there's a lot of angst around Robert being mm-hmm. mixed. And Ugh, he, Robert, Robert is the well, they worst. Moved, okay, that broke my heart. They moved from the south to the north. It really reminds me of um, Charlie and Pauline from Yes. No, oh, I wrote that too. Oh, if beautiful, I know, beautiful. Like they moved. Look at God. Hey, they moved to the north and. <laughs> Uh, Robert suddenly realizes that he can pass as white mm-hmm. and so he can get jobs that Willie cannot get. Oh, 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 oh. He doesn't just realize that he can pass as white. He begins to believe that he must pass as white. Yes. yes. That's a great, that's a great Come on, he, he presents that whole yeah. thing as if like, hey, he doesn't really have a choice. You're right? absolutely right. Uh-huh. You're uh-huh. absolutely right. And that, I mean, that like really disintegrates their relationship there's yep, a uh-huh. very weird sexual assault scene, very much tied oh to that. God. It's horrific. It I it's terrifying to read. Um, yes. Can I insert one yes, brief please. thing before you finish? Please this do. feels like a little ad libs. The other thing about Robert is that he is so fragile yes. as a man. There is yes. such toxic masculinity because. Mm. Um, Willie says, "Well, first thing we got to find is a place for me to sing." Yeah, and. Robert's like, no, remember, I'm the man. What you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? 
mean? Yes. Y'all ain't got no money, and you want to argue yeah. about who's going to get a job first. Right. Yeah. There was what all, you yeah. mean? And I'm sure Willie could sing like no other, okay? Yeah. 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 So Willie, they moved to the, the north, right? Because this is happening during the Great Migration, where lots yeah. of black folks are, are fleeing Jim Crow South. And she can sing, and she wants to sing, and that's a dream of hers. And, yes, and he knew that. He knew mm-hmm. it. He knew it, he knew it, he knew it. And they got up in the north, I guess New York, yeah. I guess. Were they in Harlem? Yeah, they were yeah. in Harlem. They were in Harlem, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So part of, yeah, but and anyways, they, they end up having a kid, Sunny, who we follow in the chapter, in a few chapters later. But, like, Robert leaves her. <laughs> yeah. yep. He leaves her, and he starts a family with a white woman because he's passing his white now and Willie sees him she's like walking with Sonny Sonny's a little kid Sonny has never seen this man in his life really he doesn't know what he looks like but she sees him there's like a line demarcating black Harlem from white Harlem and she Mm -hmm. sees him at a distance and like she never tells Sonny about any of this and so he grows up and he directs all of his anger at her rather Mm -hmm. than at his dad who has left them Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm just thinking, but, and I also, I'm like, okay, well, you know, where would Willie work through all of this trauma? What tools would she have to do that? But also it could have been really fucking helpful (laughs) (laughs) to have sat him down and talked to him. I don't, I don't know that that would have, I don't know that one conversation or a number of conversations would have changed the trajectory he was on, but there are a lot of those moments in this book where parents really should fucking talk to their children, have conversations but again, like where would they have learned that? So I have a lot of sympathy for parents not knowing how to do that. But I'm also like, that fucks your kids up. Sure like we're does. passing on this trauma and we're not like, we, like the parents don't know how to talk about it. But now your your kids are inheriting your trauma and it becomes their trauma. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes it could be worked through with a goddamn conversation or two. <laughs> but so, yes, I agree. And that conversation would be really weird though. Cause it's essentially like, look, you're mad at me because of whatever involving what our life looks like. And let me yeah. tell you, it's actually your raggedy ass daddy who, <laughs> who left us to be a white man with a white woman. Jesus. Wonder Could what his imagine? grandchildren are going to look like one day. That black right. girl comes out and everyone's going to have a conversation. Um, they are going to be curly, okay? I, I think curly I, I'm, AF. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's some measure of like, uh, well, it's weird because she's not. She certainly didn't put any work into making sure that he um, had a positive view of his dad. Right. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like I, I feel like I can understand her not wanting to. I don't. I, I wonder if she made the connection. But I also wonder, even if she made the connection, did she think like, would it help if I told him his daddy won't shit, or like <laughs> is that complicated in some other way? It may be even like patriarchy is at play in there because maybe yeah. I can imagine a mother want not wanting to speak ill of the man, you know, the daddy, even though right. like he's mm-hmm. worth speaking ill of. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, there's one thing I was going to add or that she has to say like, your dad left me for a white woman, like yeah. in black Harlem, like, yeah. <laughs> There's an abundance of black people and he left me for a white woman. Like Exactly. I I feel like 
I'm traveling into some territory right now that I would like to back out of. But okay. um, <laughs> I back just I, also what does that say about uh, Sunny's like understanding of the importance of Black women? Like I think as a Black woman, if I had a son, like I I would just feel some type of way. Okay, <laughs> that this man particularly chose to be white and left me for mm-hmm. a white woman, but that's my own stuff. So <laughs> I think that's valid trauma. I, yeah, I, I would feel <laughs> way as well. I think it's very valid trauma. I I mean, this is I think going to be a continuing thread depending on what kind of books we read. But so much <laughs> of what we're reading is about black trauma that is hard to articulate, right? It is, um, yeah. Where do you find words to talk to your kids about? Because not only she doesn't have to tell her son this, but part of, I mean, I think her heartbreak is that he was working for men that basically made him, Robert, her husband, sexually assault her in front of them. That was right. Like that's, that's who the fuck has tools to that she clearly did. I don't think she worked through that for herself, let alone enough to be able to tell her kid about it. And remember there are layers to that, right? Like, yeah. For you personally are willing to sexually assault your wife in the front of these men, but also do you just sexually assault women? Correct. This just right. Something what that y'all did do? on Tuesdays? Like, it, it, seemed like, it seemed like they, that that was not abnormal for those, those white men to ask. And right. it was all traumatic, but yeah, just thinking about family and the things that we like, obviously there's some, there are some really beautiful like parents or grandparents relationships. Um, right. Like mm, obviously yes. the, the relationship between Marjorie and her grandmother is stunning and beautiful, um, and you know Marjorie seemingly has a, a pretty good relationship with her own parents. So there, there's mm-hmm. definitely some beauty throughout there and, and some sense of yeah finding identity and, and who you're related to but there's yeah there's a lot of that that trauma and the things that are just inarticulable is that a word i'm pretty sure i've seen it but maybe it's not. has grad school not taught you that all words are made up first of all you are so right you are so people just be saying shit in graduate seminars they don't even know what they say sure they they just be saying shit and i that we're not gonna talk about that we're not here to talk about my angst um <laughs> Yes, things that cannot be like articulated, I think, is a lot of the, the family drama, which is connected to memory because people can't say I experienced this, and so they don't tell anybody, and so right, right like right. all of these this family history, which gets passed down through memory and through storytelling, it just doesn't get passed down because it's so traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know which family relationship is my favorite, even though it's like pretty messed up which one is uh yao uh spelled y-a-w and his mom who yes. is called the crazy woman oh yeah. really yeah so it's it's hard because i i feel like his mother which is abna or Aqua is Aqua because Aqua is the one that had been oh her husband's name was Asamoa Mm -hmm. and he had been off to war lost his leg Mm -hmm. she is trapped in their hut can't leave and she sleepwalks and burns the house down which ends up killing Yao's sisters 
Yeah. And that's not the part that I love, but I, I love the moment where, first of all, when Esther, um, that bitch, that Esther. Little, yes, right. Yes. I literally wrote on my sticky note, Esther, yes. <laughs> it was a bunch of R's yes. <laughs> because she was so loving, right? She like loved him back into like softness and like mm. being open to his family and all of that, even his scar on his face from, mm-hmm. you know, being injured, but that moment where he walks into that house and the people are cheering like my son oh my son it's yeah. just like and they get to talk and like he's like weeping and she touches a scar on his face and he's like why are you doing that and he like clearly breaks because yeah. he just can't hold it any longer and yeah. i was undone like i just it was the it is probably one of the most traumatic parts of the book and all of it is traumatic because <laughs> how do you set your house on fire yeah. but that moment when he walked in that door and because hospitality is so important mm-hmm. i think in all of black culture and um the ways i've experienced in Ghanaian culture like for them to i think the way the chapter ended was they had eaten food into the middle of the night until the sun came up so they're like Mm. there's an abundance of food there's an abundance of like i want to be with you even though i haven't seen you since i was six this man is now 55 yeah yeah like yeah that's crazy um and just the bringing back together a family that has been split Mm. like the book starts off split yeah and then there's even even further bifurcation throughout the stories because of all this trash and people being ostracized and what have you. But I love Yao. I love him. Wow. He is he reminds me of um what's the name of the professor in Half of a Yellow Sun? Yes. Oh yeah. God, what's his name? It starts with an O. You're so right. Oh, mm, I can't. <laughs> maybe I can't. It. I'm as well yeah. Google it. But um, O is a professor during the time of the Biafran War in Nigeria, which is in like the late 50s into the 60s. And so Nigeria is trying to, well, there's like kind of factions starting within Nigeria and there's a civil war. They're also trying to gain independence. And this professor also is kind of loved back into softness by this younger woman Mm -hmm. um and it just is like i have feelings about the whole house girl thing and there's also a house boy in professor o's house his Mm -hmm. name is uku but um esther man like she she saved him i think yeah like by encouraging him to go back and choosing to go with him and i just love his nervous energy in the car <laughs> he's like he like couldn't t- i was like that's me like, <laughs> i am yao yao is me we are together Aww. but um just the like discomfort that somebody is like loving you back to your senses loving you into this place where you can uh kind of face the situation and is with you the whole way yeah. like i i was just touched mm. by that whole thing so yeah as couples go yeah they were 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this book is really, I mean, this book, I guess, is about romance. But as someone who avidly reads romance, I was super tuned into that. <laughs> Yeah. So that moment of revelation in a romance novel where, where the character is like, I have feelings for you. That's really important. And I was waiting for the, the tension. The, ah! mm-hmm. the tension. Ah! My God. And as a, she's such a bad bitch. She was just not bothered by his, his yeah. surliness. She was just like, okay, but do you want to go to the market or not? <laughs> right, right. And I said, he better say yes. Yeah, okay. She's like, I don't give a fuck about all that, what you got going on. I just, did you want to take a walk or not? Okay, that moment, okay, the moment where um, they're standing in the middle of the market and she's holding the rope that's like attached to the goat. Oh, yeah. And she looks at his face and the scar is there. And she's like, you're very angry. And I was like, oh! My yeah. heart, yeah. <laughs> like I was like Don Cheeto can be Yao, <laughs> and I don't know who gonna play Esther, but she she she'll be fine. Okay, oh, I love that. Oh, <laughs> That's so beautiful, Don Cheeto. I love yeah. it, my lord. That was good. You're right. I you, I like listening <laughs> to you talk about that chapter. I don't dislike or I didn't dislike or like you know I just. I just read it. It wasn't a chapter that was particularly captivating. But listening to you talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm. Mm. Um, do we want to stay on the theme of family and memory? Or do we kind of want to move more into the romance piece? Because I feel like that keeps yeah. popping up. Talk so. about the romance. Yes. My Do you have a favorite story within? Because romance kind of moves things along. Like people mm-hmm. definitely are sleeping together and creating all these children yeah. that are moving this family line along. Yes. So, <laughs> and sometimes there is not romance involved, but yeah. you know, yeah. Um, there is a an unrealized romance uh, that mm. I'm <laughs> such a hard shipper for, and I, I wish it. I wish it came to fruition, but it just couldn't. Um, uh, Quay is uh, one of the main characters. Quay mm-hmm. is Effia's son, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Effia is his mother. Yes, because James is his father. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, yeah so, so Quay is, is mixed, but he has a, a friend, um, Cujo, who they like. They got a lot of chemistry. And Lots of chemistry. Like so much chemistry. There's so much sexual tension between them. Wrestle me. They're Wrestle me, Oh my God. Like the one-liners. Cujo, I know, was, I know Cujo was fine because the way he would like talk <laughs> and deliver lines, I was zooming on Quay's behalf. My God. Ooh, okay. Jesus. Wow. What a, what a, what a time. Um, <laughs> So anyways, they have this moment and it is, you know, like this this almost intimate moment, but Quay's father, James, his white man, sees that and is very horrified that his son is potentially gay. And so he sends him away to England, but he like never he, the uh Quay's sexuality throughout the that chapter is referred to as his weakness. Like there's a lot of times where people are mm. like, Don't be weak, Quay. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and and really, that's like a, a sort of euphemism for his his sexuality. But so uh, he comes back eventually, and he's you know like running the family business, which is fucking slavery, by the way. And yeah. <laughs> he's, he's literally 
<laughs> traitor and um traitor not traitor but we could argue for that too um <laughs> well but come on point. devil language well, on fire. <laughs> hey i ain't got this degree for nothing but um <laughs> But back to the romance between Quay and Kuja. But anyways, they're all grown up now. I'm this is my romance heart is happy. They all grown up. I'm sure they're both fine. And Kuja's like, well, come visit me. Kuja you know, said, I saw on your Instagram live that she was back in town. town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you ain't want to come in see my me. city. Come through. Come through. <laughs> he really did tell him to come through. And Quay kept ignoring the message and he was like, um, also, Kujo's married. I don't know how many wives Kujo has at this point, but he really does keep making this open invitation. And that invitation, it feels like Kujo knows the invitation he's making. And it seems like Kujo is out and does not care. And I don't know how that works because this, this never resolves because they Quay ends up marrying um, someone else. And but he's obviously very in love with his friend Kujo and they're never together but I deeply obviously wanted them to be I wanted him to go to Kujo's village I wanted him to live there I was totally fine with him being one of the wives like I don't give a fuck I'm into it I'm into it um that did not happen but yes that was the couple I was really rooting for but obviously I think for a lot of reasons um yeah around heteropatriarchy and all of those things that that was not gonna be well received and so Quay chose something else. Um yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tia We <laughs> wanted them to be together. But yeah. That's real. Mm. That's real. What a what a what a couples, what a romance made your little hearts happy, made you your hearts race. <laughs> little hearts. <laughs> your big hearts, your full hearts. Um, so you can go. So the two that, uh, whatever, uh, the two that stuck out So it did. It didn't go well, but everything about the writing of Sunny and Amani mm. and is like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this moves into like objectification and it's problematic. But like the way that he desired her. Mm-hmm. like on site mm-hmm. and was just so taken in by all of her that was not the put together um you know just kind of traditionally glamorous picture right she he met her serving her drinks at the bar right and she's got her head down yeah. things and her voice just carries him to another place so anyway all the setup for that relationship i was like oh a thousand percent yeah. give me this. let's take the story there yeah uh, things did not go well um <laughs> no the other, oh, other thing just like the other story just from a perspective of like what it says about the perseverance of love was i, I think it's mm. kojo and anna um if i'm yes. wrong because yeah. he they had that distance in time and he like sends a letter to her and she just shows up right there's mm-hmm. there's something oh no that was no. h and Effie. Yes, H, yeah. H and Effie. Okay, my, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Because it was after his stint, like after prison, yeah. after the chain gang, after the mines. Um, and yeah, he was encouraged by like the kid, of by his friends to write a letter to, you know, the woman that he had, was in love with before he got arrested. Um, anyway, yeah, just again, the, uh, the be- 
beginning of that from the place of like a love that spanned all those years and um, remained strong and true. And she came and like, they lived a life together. Those were, those were the two stories that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that was my second favorite one. Oh. And it, one of the quotes made it into my uh, favorite quotes list. Oh, okay. And it's uh, many in- innuendos towards the end of the scene. <laughs> yes. But, um, she's like making dinner mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, I'm about to make this man a meal. Because um, <laughs> she knew he would be coming home. And <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Woo! Um, towards the end of the chapter. Uh, it says basically they're talking and they're all distracted and the food's burning and um, Bethy turned away from him and went to the pot. She began scraping the bottom of it and the stuff she lifted up with the spoon was about as black as anything H had ever seen. He went to her, took her body in his arms, let himself feel the full weight of her. It was not the same weight as coal, that mountain of black rock he had spent nearly a third of his life lifting Ethy did not submit so easily mm. she did not lean back into him until the pot had been scraped mm. clean mm. Oh, my what lord words? god what Ooh, words? that's, that's uh, good right i was like are you talking about the pot or the pot or the, or the pot <laughs> hey you know she got that dick afterwards i love it i love it <laughs> Y'all said this was a safe free space, so here we are. Safe and free. For the world. <laughs> I'm into it, girl. Yes, get it. And he's Ooh. big too? Listen. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Yeah, that, that was one of the romances that had the heat. Yes. Uh, yeah. A lot of that skillet on that salted pork, okay? <laughs> not the salted pork, yes. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, man. man. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you liked what you've heard, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave a glowing review. You can reach us at ourcanonpod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at ourcanonpod. Music was done by Kamaria Fife, and our producer was the illustrious Adwa Asante. Thank you. <laughs>